Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome to today's issues. It is December 12th. We have 13 days, less than two weeks before Christmas. Chris Woodward joins me in studio. Chris, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Tim Wildman should be in uh, shortly. So, uh, t- uh, Chris, it's just it's just you and me. And so, uh, what's what are your Christmas plans? You ready for Christmas? Yes, I am ready uh, for Christmas. Uh, Shopping wise, that's another story. Um, <laughs> still got. I should ask whether your wife is ready. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. We're uh, we're good. Um, we're gonna do the usual um, gatherings with family. Uh, both sides of our family are pretty large, uh, so we have. Uh, don't tell Dr. Fauci this, but we'll probably have large gatherings, um, and uh, and we'll have a good time, and we'll celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So large, large gatherings in private, not observing social distancing. No, that just seems like that seems like a uh, like a like a, a dream or a nightmare. Back when, not, back when that was all a thing. Yeah, uh, twenty twenty. Um, was the longest decade of my life. Uh, it, uh, I mean, there were times where uh, during that year it was so, it was just so emotionally frustrating. Twenty twenty was with all the COVID news going on. Uh, I, I turned push notifications off with all the news apps because we were just getting bombarded with new cases and this person yeah. has died and all this, um, all this news stuff that should be reported. But it, it just uh, it started weighing on me so much. And I remember going uh, driving home one day and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to listen to Christmas music. And it was like June, you know? June. So I was, you know, listen, listening to like Neil Diamond's Oh Holy Night when it's like 100 degrees outside. Uh, but, uh, yeah, whatever you can do to, to get through the day. Well, and and uh, I didn't intend to mention any of this, but uh, what you were talking about in terms of the bad news and that mm-hmm. constant barrage, I can understand why a lot of young people had a lot of emotional repercussions from that period. Not only were they not able to get with their friends mm-hmm. and go to school and kind of unwind and interact. They were locked down and they were getting bombarded by, by all this news too. Yeah. So when you are told to shelter in place, stay at home, don't get around people. And then your phone's blowing up with all this stuff going on. It, it can be very frustrating. Uh, I'll tell you, I've been in news now for, uh, I've worked in broadcasting for just over 20 years. I've been here for 12 and, uh, when you can unplug for a little bit, it sounds yeah. weird to hear a news guy say unplug, get away from the news for a little bit, but take some breaks, uh, you know, read a book, uh, spend time with people, talk about things that have absolutely nothing to do with what's going on uh, television wise fellowship. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves in close proximity. Okay. Yes. Um, that's the Chris Woodward version of that Bible verse. And I, I will say this too, and then we're going to get to news. I promise folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't think we were created by God to handle the pressure of bad news all around the world. So if there's a tsunami, you know, in uh, Indonesia or something like that, uh, and there's an earthquake and there's a volcano and there's people getting stabbed and pushed onto, you know, uh, subway tracks in New York City and there's political stuff – we're not built. Mm-hmm. We were never built to handle all that. That kind of instantaneous transmission and uh, instantaneous awareness of a tragedy somewhere around the world. We weren't made that way. And for almost all of human history, mm-hmm. nobody had access to that kind of knowledge. You, a lot of people 
grew up in a village and that's whatever bad news happened there. Right. Maybe you might get a newspaper if people could read. You might find out what happened six months ago, you know, in Europe. Uh, but I don't think we were intended to have this kind of instantaneous access to disaster 24-7, and it's bad for you. Yeah, it is, and that's why it's good to talk to people about things. Be open and honest if you're going through some stuff. Don't try to contain it and uh, deal with it yourself. Talk to people, a friend, a pastor. Um, what are the other reasons? You talk about it, you know, we're not made for this. Really, um, and I'm getting Genesis. I'm, I'm bringing in some Genesis here. Uh, the The reason Adam and Eve, well, the reason Eve was made for Adam is because he needed some help. Right. Help not in the sense of he needed help around the house. But help, he just needed a partner. He needed somebody to talk to, somebody to relate to. So that is why it's good to talk about things with people and not try to deal with it all yourself. All right. Uh, After having that good conversation, let's go to to the bad news that's happening around the world. No, just what kind of stories we're leading off with. Well, I do want to mention this real quick because it's another reminder to uh, pay attention to your local broadcasters where you live in these United States of America. Uh, we got a big, powerful winter storm that's continuing today across the West, and it's developing into a possible blizzard in the next few days. Uh, the system was forecast over the weekend to sweep across a wide swath of the nation from Colorado to Minnesota today through Wednesday with driving snow, high winds, and freezing rain. Uh, what does that mean for us here in the southeast? Probably bad weather later in the week. So keep a check on your local broadcasters and uh, pray for people that are in the path of the storm because they're going to be dealing with them. Um, some really nasty stuff in the next few days. Now, that's the flip side of what we were talking about initially is that we do get some warning uh, yes, when these kinds true. of storms hit. Because I I, look, I saw this last week. Mm-hmm. They were talking about this kind of super storm uh, with the, the snow and the freezing rain. And then in the southeast part uh, of the, the right. nation, some kind of flooding rains or whatever. That's, I think, supposed to hit like Wednesday here where our flagship station is. So anyway, like you said, pay attention, keep an eye out. And there is some good that comes from this kind of technology and access to the information. All right. In uh, national politics today, uh, it's kind of a a double lead, if you will. Um, People are still up in arms over the Biden administration giving away the merchant of death, the so-called merchant of death in exchange for Brittany Griner. She's back in the U.S. now and I read one story today. She's back to practicing basketball, trying to get back to her uh, normal swing of things here in these United States. Uh, And it looks like Democratic Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey has joined the list of critics blasting Biden over the Griner release. A lot of people wanted the uh, Paul Whelan fellow brought home as well. He's still over there. Whelan is the uh, American Marine uh, that has been in Russian custody since December of 2018, I believe it is. And uh, people are saying, look, if we gave away an arms dealer, a guy who's responsible for trading weapons that killed people, we should bring home the um, the, the Marine in addition to the professional athlete. Uh, so a lot of people are unhappy with uh, Biden saying he you know, basically gave away everything. Russia is laughing at us, all this other stuff. And uh, obviously, as we've talked about on the show, Republican legislators and people such as John Bolton have also been critical over the Biden administration saying, you say you're trying to bring him home. Where's evidence of that? The guy's been in prison now for four years talking about paul Wheeler. yes yes well and uh as a, a couple of different folks on our show last week on our facebook page made mention of uh president trump didn't bring paul Whelan home either now news that's out that i've been reading over the weekend and today president trump said he would not have he was not going to deal the merchant of death victor bout uh for anybody so that listen 
that's the kind of thing that I, I want to leave to our representatives and the people who are in charge of our country, whether it's President Trump, President Biden. They're going to have to make those kinds of decisions, whether you trade someone like uh, Victor Bout uh, or not. I mean, that that's I can't make that decision. I don't know enough about those circumstances. The media probably doesn't either. Yeah. But my criticism is you've got to get more than Griner. Okay. For someone of that kind of status, you got to at least get the Marine home, Paul Whelan. I mean, that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to be overly critical um, of either President Trump or President Biden in making this kind of call. But uh, I will be some a little bit critical yeah. because I think they should have at least gotten the Marine as well as the basketball player. Yeah, I, I would My say opinion. so. Uh, you know, uh, people are saying basically we gave away celebrity or we, we you know gave away a criminal for a celebrity. Uh, she is an American, too, as the White House tried to point out. Uh, but Whelan's been in there a lot longer than she has. Um, she broke the law when she went over there, smuggled, you know, drugs uh, that are illegal in Russia in and, and whatnot. The White House defended their actions on Friday in an exchange between uh, Peter Ducey and Karine Jean-Pierre. She says, look, we brought an American home. We're still focused on Whelan. We're trying to do that. Let's see whether or not they continue to back that up uh, in the coming days. But they've got no – they have no bargaining chip as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, the the only bargaining chip of note, as far as I know, was the Merchant of Death, was Victor Bout. That's, that's so point. if if you're going to try to get a, an exchange, you, you got to use your bargaining chip. And if the Russians say no, you got to pick. Uh, then you say okay, no deal, mm-hmm. because we've got the Merchant of Death. You want him back. You got, so I, I I don't know I don't know what the exchange was again I don't want to be overly critical of either administration um, the Trump administration says you know we would we weren't going to make a deal mm-hmm. with that guy the Biden administration says well we got an, one American back that's better than nothing okay so again I don't want to be overly critical I don't know what maybe the Russians weren't going to deal both of them but at at that point you got to say well. You're not getting Victor Bout, right? Uh, because that's that's our that's our only bargaining chip. Yeah, since this has been going around in the news, it, it kind of made me think of two things. Obviously, the Trump administration, Donald Trump, you know, said all the time, "We're tough on we're tough on people. We we're not going to you know just cave to people and stuff like that." Biden has always claimed he was this foreign policy expert. As a matter of fact, when Barack Obama picked him to be his running mate in 2008, people applauded Obama for that decision because he was bringing someone with, quote, foreign policy experience to the ticket. Um, And he ended up obviously getting elected. Obama did. And Biden was vice president for eight years. So I am curious as to where that foreign policy experience is now if we did not get the guy uh, in addition to Brittany Griner as well. But we'll see. And I will say this, that during the Cold War, these kinds of things used to go on between the USSR and the, the U.S., and when they wanted someone back, they would just basically kidnap someone. They'd, uh, quote, unquote, arrest somebody. And then we would arrest some people, you know, over here. And then we'd exchange them. It, 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 it really is kind of gamesmanship. It, it, it almost looks like it's pretend. Right. Uh, but that, I don't know. It, it just seems like for what the U.S. gave up, Victor Bout, we should have at least gotten 
Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan and I don't know, a player to be named later. You know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And cash or something <laughs> like that. So anyway. And uh, another D.C. story that's continuing to play out involves uh, Senator Kirsten Sinema, who announced in uh, recent days that she was switching from the Democratic Party to being an independent. Uh, A lot of people are unhappy with her. Uh, AOC was up in arms uh, saying this was, you know, a a dishonor to uh, Arizona Democrats that put Sinema in office. And 2024 is just around the corner, meaning they're going to try to primary somebody uh, to get rid of Sinema. Uh, Arizona has never really been a, a traditional Democrat state. It's not really a, I wouldn't even call it purple. It's just, um, you know, it's, it's a different state in terms of its politics. Um, so I think maybe the criticism of cinema has been a little bit overblown. And I only say that because she has sided with Biden policies a lot. So I don't see her changing that, uh, now that she's going to be an independent, she's still going to be a member of the committees. She asked, uh, Senator Chuck Schumer for permission to do that. Uh, nonetheless, Democrats are mad because we just got this uh, majority and now you're going to become an independent. And now our, um, you know, um, majority control is only going to be so much. We may have to depend on Kamala. But again, Kirsten Sinema is probably going to side with liberals more often than she's going to do with uh, Republicans. Although there have been some issues where she has been open to at least having debates. So this may be an opportunity for Republicans to pounce on this and try to get her to their side more often than they have been in recent years. Well, and the same thing is true about Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is technically independent. Correct. But he, like uh, Kirsten Sinema, is they, they caucus with the Democrats. Mm. Um, and, yeah, after this announcement, she there was a, a, a lot made of the fact that she approached Chuck Schumer and said, I don't want to lose my committee assignments. And, of course, he's playing a game, too, because he doesn't want to lose her vote either. Mm. So he says, oh, yeah, absolutely, we'll – will be able to accommodate you. So I, I think she's kind of reading the tea leaves in that I think she understands. She she does side with the Democratic Party on most issues, but she's also been a little bit of a, a thorn in their side at times uh, by, you know, not wanting to pack the court or mm. those those kind of things. So I think she's reading the, the tea leaves or however you want to describe it. She understands that they're – are a lot of people in a state like Arizona. I mean, she's not in New York or California or, you know, the the wacky West Coast yeah. anywhere. But she does understand that there are people who are concerned about things like immigration um, uh, and other issues like that, but who want somebody who's not going to play this partisan game. I I don't know what that means in terms of running for reelection. Bernie Sanders gets reelected as a independent in a very blue state. Uh, so who knows, maybe, maybe she's, uh, kind of gamed this kind of played the war games on this and thinks this is, uh, her chance to be independent when she wants to be and still get reelected. I guess we'll find out in two years yeah. whether this was a smart move on her behalf, but now she did beat a Republican mm-hmm. when she was elected. So, uh, anyway, uh, she's, uh, a, a little bit more independent than probably a lot of Democrats want, but I think there are in a lot of states Americans want that. Yeah, I don't. I, I would agree with you there. I don't think uh, people are going to have uh, a problem with that um, one bit. Although I could be wrong, wouldn't be the first time. One other uh, political topic to bring up here involves something um, incoming House Speaker possibly uh, Kevin McCarthy has been uh, promising when the new Congress takes power. Republicans are going to have control over the House, of course, 
and uh, presumably incoming House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is out there vowing subpoenas for intelligence officials and other folks involved in government uh, and anybody that might have suppressed the Hunter Biden story or the stories involving Hunter Biden. Obviously, he had the laptop. There may or may not have been efforts to uh, pad not only his wallet, but his father's through his overseas business dealings. And so uh, Kevin McCarthy is out there vowing subpoenas from the new Congress for anybody involved in intelligence that might have suppressed the Hunter Biden story. I've got a little bit of that audio as well as some commentary from Fox News contributor David Webb, clip one. Those 51 intel agents that signed a letter that said the Hunter Biden information was all wrong, was Russia collusion, many of them have a security clearance. We're going to bring them before committee. Why did they sign it? Why did they lie to the American public? A clapper, a Brennan. Why did you use the reputation that America was able to give to you, more information, but use it for a political purpose and lie to the American public? Where there's that much smoke, there has to be fire, subpoena power, compel them to come, put them under oath. McCarthy and the Republicans cannot carry out another Washington Commission uh, committee where they sit there and just ask questions and tell their own story for five minutes or four of the five minutes, then ask a question with the answer. Enough. The people need answers under oath. And if it needs to and it leads to it, then these are people who possibly may be prosecuted or should be prosecuted. So here's my question. Is this something you, as an American, would like to see people in government do, that being go after these people to figure out what, if anything, they did to kind of squash this story? All right. So my my view on this is, yes, the Republicans uh, should ask these questions, should call. These are government officials or former government officials who carry a lot of weight. I would like to hear the answers, but I'm pessimistic. Not that the whether or not the Republicans will. I think Kevin McCarthy is saying we will because he wants to be elected Speaker of the House. And so he has to uh, be very aggressive when it comes to the interests of the Republican Party. But I'm pessimistic in that these are these intelligence uh, agents, agents of the intelligence community, put it that way. Uh, former government officials, these are very bright people, and they're not going to say anything in those hearings that will lead to criminal prosecutions. Uh, I just think we'll I think we'll just hear a lot of uh, double talk from these people and vague statements, and they'll dodge and they'll bob and they'll weave, uh, and because these people will have attorneys giving them advice counsel on how to avoid prosecution the the only thing the only way you get criminal prosecutions is to have an independent counsel or special prosecutor and, and i don't think that that's not going to happen it's obviously not going to happen under the biden administration and uh i think the best way to stop some of these kinds of things is to and this is what president trump tried to do is you have to break up the deep state. I'm not sure at this stage of the game that that's possible. Maybe a Republican president could, with both houses of Congress, kind of do some real damage to that uh, deep state. But uh, these people are, like, this, take the CIA, for example. The CIA is used to skirting the law. Mm-hmm. And they, they do that all the time. That's true. Sure. 
that's kind of like what you have them around for when it comes to overseas. They skirt the law because there are other organizations skirting the law trying to damage us. You want the CIA out there. But in terms of going after American citizens or a candidate, Republican candidate, like like I think they did with President with then-candidate Trump and what they did to a sitting president, yeah, that should be investigated. I, I just don't think anything's going to happen. I am curious to see whether or not voters will hold uh, these incoming Republicans' feet to the fire on these and other issues that they've been promising for the new Congress. And I say that because when I got here in 2010, one of the first things I was covering was uh, – you know, the debate over and the signing of uh, the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. And Republicans said, put us in office, put us in office, we're going to repeal it. Uh, They had years where they were saying that and campaigning on it. Finally, they had that glorious opportunity uh, from 2017 through the end of uh, 2018, and they just completely failed over repealing and replacing Obamacare. Um, They spent too long arguing over the replacements, when critics said they should have just repealed it and then debated the replacement and uh, match that with the fact that Republicans tend uh, to look at elections as, well, we can't offend anybody. We got to worry about the next one. We have to get our guy and our girl in this chamber or in the white house and all that other stuff. Um, You know, it goes back to what I've said before on the program, Democrats run to win Republicans run not to lose. And so I'm curious to see whether or not Republicans voters will hold these people's feet to the fire to make sure they're actually doing what they've been saying they're going to do, because there's a lot of history showing that they never really live up to these promises. All right. So let me let me be negative Nelly here. Okay. normally my wife says I am overly optimistic, but I'm going to be pessimistic right now. And this is this is the reason why is and I don't think this is fatal for our republic. But I think the process is increasingly becoming corrupted. Okay, I think it's increasingly corrupted by big money on both sides. And I think increasingly um, politicians are governing to to get reelected. I said this last week, unless you have something like term limits where you can break this professional political class. To your point about Obamacare. I think the reason why Republicans did not carry out their promises is because they were afraid they would lose in the next election. All right. So they make promises to get elected. They don't keep their promises, banking on the fact that their incumbency, the fact that they are incumbents, means they are more likely to get reelected, and that's all they care about. Uh, The same thing with the deep state with people leaving their positions in the CIA or the FBI, the Justice Department, and getting big jobs, high-paying jobs as lobbyists, all right? That whole K Street connection with the deep state and with members, you know, the political class, that is corrupting our political process. And, And this is what I'm saying I believe is true on both sides, Republican and Democrat, and I'm just not sure what the cure is for it. But that's why that, that's why Obamacare, Obama, that's why we have never been able to defund Planned Parenthood. Sure. All those kinds of things that are no-brainers and people should see this done like a snap of the fingers. Right. You can't get it done because these politicians job wants to get reelected. 
Yeah, I don't think you're being uh, pessimistic. I think you're being a realist. Well, and uh, now let me say, folks, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I am painting with a broad brush. I'm sure there are members of Congress on both sides of the political aisle where these people believe they are doing what's best for the people who sent them to office. But I just know human nature, and human nature is if you can get reelected, you're going to do it. Uh, so anyway. That's my rant off the soapbox. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please join us. The war for the souls of our children is perhaps no more greatly seen than in the sinister attack on boys through the feminizing of the American male. I'm Sam Rohr, host of Stand in the Gap Weekend, heard Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. Join APN's Dr. Jamie Mitchell and Trail Life USA President Mark Hancock as they carefully considered not only the attack on our young boys, but one solution to recapturing masculinity in young men. Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The Internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family. And we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. And may He give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. Much-anticipated revival of Looney Tunes cartoons has blown up like a crate of Acme Dynamite. The new series debuted on HBO Max, but not before undergoing a 21st century cultural cleansing. It seems Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam have been disarmed. The executive producer telling the New York Times Elmer will no longer carry his oversized hunting rifle and Sam won't have his giant pistols. It's not clear if the decision is based on recent school shootings. But that's not to say there won't be any cartoon-style violence. Looney Tunes says there's plenty of episodes where characters get blown up with dynamite and Wiley Coyote gets flattened with an acne anvil. But guns? No longer allowed. You know, it sounds to me like somebody dropped a giant Acme anvil on the programmers at HBO. They're really singing a loony tune here, folks. Suffer and succotash. I'm Todd Stearns. Be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come upon me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job 13, 13 through 15. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. 
Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Tim Wildman joining the uh, Tim Wildman. Get my last name right here. <laughs> Not Wildman. Uh, Wildeman. Uh, it's a good Monday to everybody listening, and uh, I was a few minutes late for the program. Good to see you, Ed. Hey, good to see you. And Christopher. Good morning. I didn't know Fred was off today, so how long is Fred off for? He's just today. Oh, just today? Okay. We're at the time of the time the uh, time of the year, right? Where everyone's just kind of burning extra days that you've got, and yeah. uh, there's no burn ban here on the AFA campus because <laughs> we don't have carryover vacation days. Right. So ever people who who ended up in December go, hi, I got four left. How am I going to use them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, again, thanks for everybody for listening to AFR. If you want to send us an email, go to uh, this address: comments at afr dot net. What have you, gentlemen? You've checked off a few of the top stories already? We have. We uh, we talked about the, the storm that's going to be sweeping the country yeah. uh, this this week. Probably drop some some rain on the southeast, but mm-hmm. snow and freezing rain in the Midwest, I guess, and plain you know, states. You notice I noticed uh, the snow that's going to hit the northeast, or uh, the, the Midwest too, right? Yeah. The, the, anyway, I was thinking – uh, it was saying like six to ten inches in certain places. I was thinking the people in Buffalo are going, "Come on, guys, <laughs> weaklings! If you don't have anything under three feet, don't complain." Yeah, okay, don't complain. <laughs> no, I, I sent around the, the the pictures. We all saw them yeah. after that storm hit in Buffalo with yeah. like like two feet of snow on top of cars and yeah. Uh, I wonder if that crazy. that's melted yet. Guess we need to check in with Steve Tiber. Yeah, we got to call Steve Tiber and ask him if what's that, going on with Eight Days of Hope yeah. and also the snow up in Buffalo. I tell you, if we in the southeast uh, ever mm. had something anywhere close to what Buffalo just experienced, that would be massive panic and like fights at the Piggly Wiggly over bread and milk <laughs> galore. We, uh, people uh, would panic. You guys did talk about the uh, story with Brittany Grenier, the mm-hmm. uh, basketball player that yeah. is home now from uh, from Russia was uh, imprisoned over there and she was a trade uh, by Biden President Biden traded the Russians mm-hmm. uh, with the merchant of death is what he's called yeah, I don't, about and uh traded him for her and that's been in the news a lot and then did not get the marine um, Paul Whelan yeah didn't get to have Paul Whelan back um, when that broke last week of course we, i wasn't here to talk about it. i just like like a lot of people was shocked that uh we didn't get him back right because uh you know you would think that the Biden administration would insist that right. he, he be released if you're going to trade for the merchant of death who yeah. was responsible for international arms deals that like, i either killed or was gonna play he was planning on killing a lot of americans right that's the re- and he was called one of the most dangerous men in the world by our own um, uh, Justice Department. So, and President Trump said, "I said this last week. I said I, I wouldn't have traded that guy for anyone." But and then over the weekend, President Trump said he wasn't doing that deal either for Paul for Paul Whelan. It's it's unfortunate. 
to me, as I said uh, before the break, what we used to do, the U.S. and the USSR, is, okay, you're not going to give us Paul Whelan. We're going to go grab some uh, Russian businessman. Mm-hmm. We're going to grab a couple and hold them. You want to play that game? Uh, you know, because they accused Paul Whelan in 2018 of spying mm-hmm. or something. I something nutty. 16 so. years it, of hard labor. It, yeah. it, but, okay, so it made me wonder this. I think probably. What if President Biden had traded for Whelan, Mr. Whelan, Marine Whelan, and not gotten Brittany Grenier? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In a one-for-one trade. Uh, now you're talking about people's lives, like they're pawns, and I, in a sense, I guess they are. I wouldn't want my family member being talked about like that. Right. I saw somebody say this. Uh, they said, "If it's your family member, you don't care who they trade to get them back, right? Or what the conditions are. You only want your loved one back, and that's perfectly understandable, especially with this young lady. Uh, uh, but at the same time, if you're going to do uh, if you're going to stand back and look at it objectively, and if you're going to be a president and a political leader having to decide on a trade like this, prisoner per prisoner, you've got to get the Marine back as well because he's kind of, they've given up all their leverage now mm. right? to get him back. Any talk of, well, we're still working to free Paul Whelan is uh, empty words. Right. Empty words, and uh, I just I thought, well, if they had gotten him back and left her over there, the outcry from the American left would have been c- condemnation for Biden. They would right. have said, why didn't he get her back too? Right. But now with Paul Whelan, the Marine, it's like he, he's going to be now lost in the news cycle, uh, 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 24 hours, and then he'll be left there to— Yeah, you think the left would have been uh, okay with the president— Using the scenario you laid out, he trades Victor Bout for Paul right. Whelan, the Marine, right. and then says, well, hey, we're still working to try to get Brittany Griner out. You I mean, that, that, would that, that have worked? That would not have worked. He would have been roundly criticized because he's lost all his leverage. Right. So basically what happened here was she got released because of who she was. Yes. Her, her uh, and, and she had the celebrities rallying to her cry. The sports community rallied her, and I don't blame those people because that's, you know, we nobody wants to see an American held. Right. Uh, uh, now she did break the law over there with the dope, mm-hmm. um, and so she got in trouble for it. Now you may say, well, she got it was draconian the penalty she got for what she was accused or what she admitted to doing, but at the same time the trade. It just lends itself to more Americans being taken hostage is what it lends itself to. And the poor fellow, the poor Marine, uh, Mr. Whelan, Paul Whelan, and his family, they're just going to be left out in the cold right now, unfortunately. And what, what is what is just blatantly a a political move to please the left in America. Right. So, all right, you're listening to today's issue, but, but that's his decision. That's President Biden's decision. There's nothing you can do about it. That's his decision alone and whether he pays a political price for it down the road remains to be seen. Although I did find it interesting. He was criticized openly by at least two Democrat senators. Yes. Bob Menendez of New Jersey. Yeah. And- mm-hmm. All right. Next story, Chris. Um, let's, uh, let's mention this. I, I just saw it on Fox. I'm assuming Newsmax has been all over it as well. Um, Elon Musk 
always causes a stir uh, with things that he tweets or does. And over the weekend, uh, Musk uh, caused a big stir when he tweeted that his uh, pronouns, you know, the new thing is now you, you know, share your pronouns. And uh, Musk jokingly tweets that his new pronouns are prosecute and Fauci, which caused a lot of people on the left to say, we've got to get rid of Elon Musk. He's a right winger. He's going to ruin Twitter and free speech and all this other stuff. Uh, and The Atlantic, which is a left-leaning publication, was one of the first to really put together long-form articles criticizing Musk over this. I've got a little bit of audio here from um, Fox News personality Todd Pirro talking about The Atlantic's criticism with contributor Joe Concha, clip seven. The Atlantic responding, quote, Elon Musk is a far-right activist, even though he was a Democrat up until like 10 minutes ago. The tweet is a cruel and (laughs) senseless play on pronouns that also invokes the right's fury toward Anthony Fauci. Obviously, he really triggered the libs here. Joe, is Elon the next, next Donald Trump in terms of getting under the left skin? Oh, my. He might even be better at it. You know, I mean, his tweets are incredible. And, and the thing is, the old Twitter regime apparently never even used Twitter in any way, shape or form. They didn't even understand their product. Elon Musk understand exactly what he has here as far as a tool in terms of sending a message. And, and his tweets are viewed by millions upon millions uh, of people. So, yeah, uh, he, he appears to be triggering uh, certain folks on the left, no question about it. And, and he's doing it in a way where now... At to your point, he used to be the guy saving the world with Tesla and SpaceX, and now he's uh, apparently part of the alt-right. Go figure <laughs> how that works, but he's sharing his opinions. That's what Twitter's for, guys. Anything there? Uh, I, you know what? I, first of all, let me just say this, um, and I don't, think, I don't think that this is unfair, but the left appears to not have any sense of humor at all. I mean, the, the response to what Elon Musk said my pronouns are prosecute Fauci. Okay? That's funny. Okay? Even if you don't like Elon Musk, even if you think Fauci is uh, Anthony Fauci is an angel uh after, you know, him being the poster child for mask wearing and COVID vaccines and all that, maybe even if you think he's an angel and a great public servant. That's funny. But the, the, I'm looking at a Fox News story in terms of the responses on Twitter, this person, Scott Kelly, I, 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 I'm not sure who who he is. Looks like he's an astronaut or something. But Elon, this is what he tweeted in response. Please don't mock and promote hate toward already marginalized and at risk of violence members of the LGBTQ plus community. They are real people with real feelings. Furthermore, Dr. Fauci is a dedicated public servant whose sole motivation was saving lives. Epic fail on the sense of humor front, okay? What Elon Musk said is not promoting hate towards the transgender community. That's absurd on its face. He was making a joke, but I just think the left, what is probably most damaging, uh, part of what's very damaging for the left is are there radical ideas and just being out in way left field but they they don't have a sense of humor no and i think that's why actual comedians like bill maher and others are frustrated with the left well you remember when the babylon b which is the uh christian based uh satirical site uh they they uh named rachel levine man of the year yes <laughs> you're laughing because it was yes, funny that's funny because levine is the 
trans um he's a man transgender trans, trans woman he's a yes quote unquote a, a man who uh transitioned to being uh what he a woman mm-hmm. is what he calls himself in Pennsylvania and then now is a high level uh, public figure at the uh, HHS assistant secretary or something yes for and so he <laughs> called him Gave him the Man of the Year award. Yes. That triggered the left. And to your point about them having no sense of humor, that's what that's why Twitter banned the Babylon Bee. Yes. Which was one of the reasons, one of the motivations by, by Elon Musk decided to buy Twitter. Right. Um, was was that actual mm-hmm. uh, incident yeah. where they banned yeah. the Babylon Bee? You can't say anything critical of the uh, LGBTQ uh, people, community, whatever you want to call them, you can't say anything, anything less than total and complete affirmation of anything that they do and say or is considered uh, hate. Hate. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, a mis- it's a misuse of the word hate, but they do that on purpose. This is what the Southern Poverty Law Center does. Right. Oftentimes they takes they take a disagreement of something and they call that well then that fosters hate right so uh, I just tell you with Elon Musk the last uh, couple of months he's increased my joy of living <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying yeah I was going through some tough times with my golf game <laughs> and uh, just knowing I could get up the next morning and and see what Elon Musk. Had to say, tweeted out, made life a little bit better. And now, folks, for all of you out there who, you know, please don't email us. And right. we uh, we all understand that Elon Musk is not the savior. Okay. So we want everyone to have a sense right. of humor, even people on our side. Okay. So we, we understand he's, as far as we know, he's not a Christian. He may not even be a full-on conservative. He's probably libertarian. We probably disagree with lots of his, uh, lots of his beliefs. But the dude is funny. Yeah. yeah. And he has a lot of common sense, too. Yes. And evidently, he's very intelligent uh, in terms of his uh, business uh, uh, skills because he's 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 a billionaire. Billions upon the richest billions. man in the world. And self-made. Also, we want to say he makes liberals well, or leftists, progressives, quote unquote, he makes their lives miserable. So what's not to like? I think what they, what they really don't like about him is he does he's not a he does not come from a conservative point of view. Now may, he may be converting over, maybe he's yeah. transitioning. Yeah. <laughs> and who are we to who are we to criticize? Right, that? he's self-identifying as a conservative now, evidently. But I, I think what he, what what I keep getting from him is he sees the radical political agenda of the left as socialist and marxist and and bad for for freedom and bad for uh, the first amendment for example and he's he's challenging them he's he's speaking out against it he's tweeting out against the ideas and they don't like that because he's he's getting a lot of attention yes even though the left is trying to avoid what he's doing by not covering in in their mainstream media, the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, the major television networks, they haven't even covered this story, right? At Twitter with Elon Musk uh, about he's what he's uncovered about how they, you know, deceived and how they uh, uh, 
shut down conservative voices without their knowledge. Right. And then claim claim that they weren't doing that. He's exposing all this. And to show you how bad it is, the left-wing media in this country, the mainstream media, they won't even cover this story. Yeah. Right. You know, they won't even cover this story. And it's not difficult to do that either. Um, What's not difficult to do? To cover the story. All you have to do... You could do the story in like an hour or less, one of these TV reporters or TV networks. All you do, slap some video together, uh, maybe even do uh, little screenshots of people typing on their computer, looking at Twitter, all these other things. Report what Elon Musk and the Twitter files say, okay? And then you go talk to a couple of people that you know are going to give you the yeah, but put that at the very end and say, I'm so-and-so reporting. It's like easy peasy. No, I can yeah. do that. Well, with my- they don't want to cover it because it, it, uh, they are part of the problem. Yeah. And it exposes them, them as well. Yeah. But them not covering is also confirmation that they're all in yeah. for the left wing agenda. Um, by they, I mean the mainstream media. Of course, we've all known this and talked about it actually for over a decade, but it's just gotten worse. Mm-hmm. And now the big social media companies have joined in with the promotion of the left-wing agenda solely. And um, and so, uh, you know, you have the the old-school media, and now you have the new big social media giants, and they're all, I've just said it, they're in an ideological collusion is what they're in, and that's what Elon Musk is pointing out. And ironically, he comes from their, uh, I would say, background in terms of him being more liberal in his thought processes, although those things seem to be changing. You're listening to today's issues. Next story, Chris. Well, I do want to point out real quick, Scott Kelly. I did some uh, investigative reporting here on the internets. Yes. Uh, Scott <laughs> Kelly is an astronaut. He is the brother of Senator uh, Mark Kelly. Okay. Uh, I was Arizona. wondering about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm on his Twitter uh, profile, former NASA astronaut, retired U.S. Navy captain. So he's the one who, tw- who uh, tweeted back. Clap back or whatever they say uh, to Elon. Yeah, or his my pronouns are prosecute Fauci. He should. I still uh, think that's funny. That's just. I don't know why people don't think that's funny. He should go read Ecclesiastes three four, which says, among other things, there is a time to laugh. Yeah, not on the left. There is no time to laugh unless unless you're making fun of Christians or people oh, who fly sure. over country. Then they find it hilarious. Yeah. yeah. All this, right. This is a very serious situation. In this sense, and this is what Elon Musk did say, civil West, uh, basically, he, I don't know if he said Western, but civilization is at stake here. That's what he was saying, that, that we must fight back against this complete total control of, of the media mm-hmm. by the left because they're pushing their own narrative and an agenda. And it's, 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 if it continues, talk about marginalizing people. Right. They are marginalizing conservatives and Christians and trying to silence their voices. We've experienced it firsthand here. YouTube shut our show down. Uh, now, they can do that if they want to. We have our own alternative. But I'm saying that there, when, when these uh, few companies control all the media outlets, uh, I mean, you've got a handful. Right. Then, then that's not healthy. For our democracy, the left's always talking about the threat to democracy <clears throat> or to freedom and liberty. Because what they're trying to do is marginalize people to the point where they can legitimize, where they would like to shut us down legally. 
In other words, let's yeah. don't give uh, let's don't give FCC don't give radio license to American Family Radio. They're a hate group. Yeah, they they went after Fox News. Remember the lady went after right the the Fox News. She was going to be on the FCC board. Yes, and she was a, Fox was a danger to our republic or democracy. Yeah. So th- their next goal would be to completely shut you down. Not only suppress the voices of conservatives and Christians, but to completely shut down access to to uh, to the media, to right. outlets, to uh, any kind of a reach in our country. Go ahead, Chris. Um, speaking of freedom and liberty, we've had another court ruling in favor of uh, faith-based medical centers saying they cannot be forced to perform transgender surgeries. This is a ruling from the 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, which sided with an organization known as the Religious Sisters of Mercy. Uh, they're one of those uh, medical centers, in this case a Catholic medical center, that say, hey, we don't want to be involved with anything transgender because that's a violation of our faith principles and what we believe in religiously. It's at least the second ruling of its kind in about two weeks' time uh, because, as we talked about on the show recently, uh, there was a federal appeals court that recently ruled Fifth similar circuit. for Christian medical. It was the Fifth Circuit. Mm-hmm. So you got the Fifth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals and the Eighth Circuit Court yes. of Appeals. These are federal appellate courts that are right beneath the Supreme Court. And this is a big story. Yes. Because they have both ruled uh, in the last two weeks against the Biden administration. Biden wanted to force Christian Christians, correct me if I'm wrong, Christians and Christian-based hospitals to engage in uh, transgendered surgeries and things mm-hmm. of that nature. And uh, he wanted to force this against the beliefs of the individual doctors or nurses who said, no, I don't want to participate in that. Biden said, oh, yeah, you will. Well, they went to court to fight against this and won, yeah. at least uh, one at the, at the federal appellate court level. Right. So it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, a, a win for religious freedom. Yeah. Another reason why you should, uh, you know, call around, look up things on the Internet. There are many groups uh, that go to court for uh, faith-based operations all the time, First Liberty, Liberty Council, ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, if you aim for nothing, you're going to hit it. So you might as well try. Uh, and one way to try to get your rights restored or established is to go to court, which these people are doing. You know, another thing here is the left-wing uh, cause, the left-wing cause, the liberal cause, they're, they've been losing a lot of court cases recently. Have you right. noticed this? Yes. They used to win them all. Now they're losing them all. Seems well, like. and I, I, I wonder, I don't know about this, uh, the Eighth Circuit, uh, who was impaneled uh, for that, but um, President Trump not only got three su- pretty constitutional uh, Supreme Court justices, but had a bit of impact on the federal judiciary as a whole. So that that's another reason. It's not just the Supreme Court. Most of these cases are heard uh, before they get to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court here is a very small percentage of the total cases. So you win at an appellate level, that's huge. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm guessing that a lot of these victories are coming because President Trump had such a big impact on the judiciary. That's one of the big concerns with uh, Democrats having what appears to be a majority for the new Senate that's going to be coming in because, uh, for those not aware of this, uh, the Senate is the one tasked with uh, confirming all the justices uh, and judges that the president nominates. So, yeah, Republicans may control the purse strings and they'll be able to do this or that. 
the Senate is going to be able to just you know ram through these things, uh, well, assuming there is a vacancy. Yeah, true. But what does Cinema uh, going independent mean? That that means now she's still going to vote as Democrats do most of the time. But I think she, so. But she's she did that for a reason. Cinema uh, talking about the Arizona mm-hmm. Democrat. She converted to a uh, being an independent. So doesn't that leave the Senate then at 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 forty nine forty nine? No, no. Uh, uh, with Warnock, no, not forty nine forty nine. What would it 51. be? It would go back to a fifty fifty split plus Kamala. Uh, if well, we're just but going but, but Cinema hasn't said she's going to caucus with the Democrats yet, has she? she she's not going to caucus with the Republicans. No, I think she is going to continue to caucus with the Democrats and Chuck Schumer. She asked Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, if she could keep her assignments committee assignments and he right. said yes so i i think she's doing that she probably explained to chuck schumer and the other democrats in leadership there that uh she thinks this improves her chances for re-election but she's going to continue voting with the democratic party which is her her re-election comes up in two years right i'm guessing this is a political calculation on her part that thinks that she thinks improves her chances if she does not have to defend democratic policies like on immigration in her state she says look at i'm not a democrat any longer i'm an independent vote for me so i'm guessing that's the calculation all right chris thank you thank you and we're going to be back in five minutes with steve jordahl who's got some more news of the day to bring our way And uh, we will see you then. Take care and uh, join us back in five minutes. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.